will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You. Unless you voted Tory, in which case you're so far from welcome that honestly, we'd quite like you to cheese grate yourself starting at your balls and not stop until your entire torso is gone. Evening. Joining me for, for this, and hopefully not having to watch any of that, we have Mr. Dave Convery. Three children on each other's shoulders in a trench coat, which was great until we were compelled to track down and kill four escaped Nexus 6 replicants. Good evening. How was that? It revealed surprising truths about the nature of humanity, which I was not into. I heard the lighting was good as well. The lighting was excellent. Excellent. And I, as ever, Roger Hart, chairman of the board of directors' chairs. This evening we have a question about pornography. But before we get to that, significantly less lewd, I assure you, why don't you write to us? I mean, it could be kinky if you want, but it doesn't have to. Write to us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com or send us your problems on the internet at hauntedphonograph.com. We're soliciting you, but in the good way. It's all above board. Also, sex work is real work. Fuck the police. Today's question. I am a massive, but moderately vanilla, pervert. Since Tumblr banished all the amateur porn, I've been getting a fair whack of my jollies from Twitter. But now I'm worried about what it's doing to me. First I followed some hot guys flapping their dinguses hither and thither. Then it suggested some more to follow, but they were wearing a bit of leather. And again and again. A long story short, I've, I've gone down a mercifully figurative rabbit hole and ended up following a lot of furries. How do I stop Twitter algorithmically radicalising my libido? It's a tricky problem. A real dilemma. In 1732, Jonathan Swift published his blisteringly vulgar juvenalian satire, The Ladies' Dressing Room. In it, Strephon, a young 18th century fop, sneaks into the boudoir of Celia, a young lady of his acquaintance, or as some critics suggest, sex worker. Strephon discovers to his horror that women have bodily functions, and is promptly nauseated for life. This is pretty classic Swift. These huge, sweeping, high-to-low register shifts, an extended classical reference to describe a turd-filled chamber pot, and some frankly heroic efforts to get the really grotty bits right onto the line-end rhymes. It's it's fun. It's also riddled with misogyny, at the same time as doing a pretty good job of satirising the misogynistic disgust at the core of male expectations of female beauty. And frankly, it's worth reading just for the extended riff on Pandora's box. Um, but more than that, more than that, it plays to an essential truth of human nature, that there is a deep valley between dilettantism and obsessive nerdery, where becoming overly aware of the details of a thing, of how it is composed and created, of its base parts and grimy intricacies, can really put you the fuck off it. This goes double for sex stuff if you're British, and, you know, were raised riddled with shame and self-loathing. Bismarck on laws and sausages. If you if you like a thing, don't learn how it's made. Of course, if you love a thing, you'll wind up on Wikipedia reading 8,000 words on a particular facet of how it was made in Leeds in 1842, or, you know, whatever. This all falls down in the face of genuine enthusiasm. 
that's not you, dear questioner, that's not you. You're a tourist. You're doing the jacking it equivalent of picking up some local knickknacks and getting back on the fucking tour bus. You don't want to consider the wanking equivalent of impact on the local community or appropriation of indigenous cultures. Of course not. So the minute you find out how fursuits are made, that erection is going to wilt like a week old salad. Now, I'm not going to give a detailed set of instructions right here. Partly this is because the whole point is your progressive horror and disengagement as the realization unfolds and, you know, that journey you're going to go on as you become aware of the grim details. Also, I'm very lazy. What I did do was, was check out a bunch of online tutorials. So here's my little roundup. Now, pretty much all the top hits on YouTube will feature people in fursuits talking about them while arsing around basically a non-sexual version of what I assume you're watching already. Um, and as you might imagine, for 15-minute videos, give little depth of detail. I mean, it's not a million miles away from a podcast, it's just they keep saying yiffing. Instructables has a page on making an animal head mascot, which is just beautifully innocent. I fucking love them for it. It's detailed and fiddly and uses lots of masking tape, which frankly is a real challenge wank. WikiHow. Dear Sweet Wiki How has a page on making a fursuit head. It's utterly joyless, incredibly fussy, which which is a good start. The, their website usability is terrible, so you won't be happy while you read it, but it's not very detailed. This is where I kind of, I thought, you know what? I'll just trust Google. The main hit on Google for fursuit construction and maintenance is a site called matrices.net. Now, I was skeptical, but this is old school internet. It's a pure work of love. There is article after article on the intricacies of fursuit tailoring, of fitting, of how to make this, of how to make that, all freighted with perky enthusiasm and a can-do perspective. It's full of detail from bodysuit tutorials, paws, retractable claws. It's, it's, it's amazing. There's, this, this person has poured their heart and soul into telling you in fine detail with downloadable patterns, some of which are paid for, how to make fursuits. It's incredible. This is like someone's life work. There's hours of reading there, and by the time you're done, you'll either be experiencing Swiftian revulsion at the tedious, tailored reality, or you'll be so into it that, frankly, you won't really remember why you wrote to us about it. Happy wanking, my friend, and try not to get your bellend caught in the zipper. Mr. Convery. So, you went and did it. You went horny on Maine. So many have. It happens. It does. It does happen. And maybe you don't like where it's leading you. But have you stopped to consider that maybe, maybe it's just not a problem? Sure, you're a furry now, but let's look at the historical antecedents of your predicament and see what it means to be horny on Maine throughout history. Firstly, though, we need to stop and we need to define horny on Maine. UrbanDictionary.com defines it as a slang term for posting or engaging with sexual posts on your main social media account rather than a secondary one that you'd usually use for that purpose. The phrase spawned on Tumblr after Ted Cruz liked a vor fetish drawing on his main verified account. So, while it didn't go super well for Ted Cruz, fuck that guy, that weird grandpa monster looking fuck with his vor porn, Jesus. 
Obviously, we're going to have to skew a little broader than just Twitter because it's only been around for the last 10 years, despite it feeling like occupying all of our time and energy for all of our lives. But I am here to tell you that the spirit of Hunyon Maine has always been there. Wait, you might say. That can't be the whole story of Hornion Maine, that weird haunted fuck of a man. No, no, it's not. What if Hornion Maine could also be the basis of great acts of diplomacy? Motherfucker, have you ever heard of Cleopatra? Protected Egypt from being annexed by the Romans multiple times by being so horny on Maine near various Roman leaders that endless children sprung from that boffed Julius Caesar and Mark Antony for the good of the nation. Every time it looked like Egypt was going to be subsumed by the Roman Empire, extremely extra horniness saved the day. She also did a frankly excellent job of keeping her idiot and presumably only conventionally horny brother off the throne. Maybe your horn could fend off imperialism. It's worth a crack. Henry VIII, extremely horny on Maine, And he managed a massive religious reformation in Britain, explicitly in service of his ceaseless wandering horn. What? What if your libido could break the grip of Catholicism and plunge England into centuries of religious terror and machinations? Did you think of that? George Washington founded the country that went on to create mankind's greatest achievement to date, Spider-Man Enter the Spider-Verse. Also... Extremely horny on Maine, with what was essentially a radius-based fuck policy. JFK, the first horny cartoon wolf to hold the office of president. He kicked off the space race in earnest, and very obviously shagged around as basically his presidential campaign. The horny wolf that did Marilyn and will build a very phallic device to literally fuck the moon. That was his slogan, and it worked. If I can offer you a counterindication, Napoleon Bonaparte was famously unhorny on Maine, stating very clearly, not tonight, Josephine. What happened to him? Repeated exile eventually died of wallpaper in Corsica. Do you want that? I don't think you want that. So strap on that fursuit, get out there and make history. Well, that was a parade of fixers with a rich, silky pelt. And why not pelt us with problems? You can uh, you can write to us at wewillfixyoushow at gmail.com or, uh, or on the internet at hauntedphonograph.com and we will comb right through that mane of problems. Ta-ta. Ta-ta.